Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to GLE. Today on the show, we have a tremendous guest. He is a successful infrastructure innovator, speaker, and best-selling author, best known for developing solution companies and products, and solving complex infrastructure problems for the wastewater industry. He's the co-founder and former owner of Southern Trenchless Solutions, a multi-million dollar infrastructure rehab company based in Texas, and he is the co-founder of Supercover, composite manhole cover product. Recently, he published the Amazon best-selling book, The Lost Art of Faith, and has begun coaching people and helping them overcome some of life's toughest challenges. He enjoys spending time with his two daughters, traveling, working out, water sports, and watching sports. He is working to impact the world in a big, special way. He's a George Strait fan, and he's proof that white men can jump. I'm thrilled to have him on the show. Eric Dupree, welcome to the show, my friend. I feel appreciated, man. Um, that's probably one of the best intros I've ever had in my life. Hey, there you go, man. You are proof <laughs> white men can jump. I saw it. I saw the video. It wasn't doctored. No. You got five, some hops, brother. Five foot seven, 40 years old. I can grab the rim. That's awesome, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm like 6'3". I bet I can't grab the rim anymore. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I jumped. I think I probably pulled every hamstring that I had doing it, but I could still do it. <laughs> you got to be careful because I had a, a family member that tore his Achilles playing. a He, he played some pretty high-level basketball and hadn't played in a while and was trying to show off for some, some folks and just that Achilles ripped right in half and rolled up his leg. Ugh, yeah, I, I had a uh, 16-year-old guy. He was at the gym. I said, hold my camera real quick. And he looked at me confused, like, what are you going to do? And I said, just film the rim. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I He's like, like it. He was shocked. I was like, hey, we should have put money on it. Oh, for sure. So, Eric, tell us a little bit about your story. Obviously, you have a successful business career. So, talk a little bit about your endeavors there and, and how you kind of transitioned into writing this book, The Lost Art of Faith. Yeah, so my whole career path has been – engineered solutions and figuring out complex problems for clients and owners and uh, creating business plans and business models as an entrepreneur. Um, I started doing very small companies like pressure washing and things like that. And then uh, some of those things bombed out horribly when I was younger. And, you know, uh, I got into real estate at the age of 21. Uh, didn't really understand how to set that up and structure that as a business and be committed to it like a business. Cause that's, that's what it ends up being. It's like your first, it was actually my first shot of like owning my own business was actually being a realtor. And oh, wow. I, I just didn't, I didn't recognize that uh, that's how I had to run it. So uh, mentors, coaches, all that kind of stuff. It leads into how important all that is, but um, I've been extremely successful at mapping things out. And when somebody wants to get from point A to point B, um, I do everything in reverse order. And uh, a lot of people don't get that. Well, part of that's my ability or disability. I'm, uh, I was born dyslexic. So I had many challenges in life. Like I couldn't read until I was in junior high. So every letter, every word that I saw was a complete symbol that I had to memorize the whole word, not through phonics, but by a symbol. So 
Yeah. So it forced me at a very young age to try to fit in and adapt in a world that to some levels didn't make sense to me. It was really hard and difficult for me. So it was just a challenge and, uh, you know, I had to figure it out. So, um, again, my ability to see things from the end and then working backwards, um, helps me tremendously in finding the solution. I have to basically map it out in my head what the final product looks like and then get all the way back from that stage all the way back to where we're at right now. So um, I took that and started applying it. I said, you know, I've done this for business. I've done this for other people, but um, I've never really applied these principles the same way to my life. That's interesting because I just this year for the first time, it was like the first time I made goals for my personal life. And it's so funny how, how we spend time focusing on all these worldly endeavors, but with faith or with other things, oftentimes it's easy to just overlook how important it is to have those same goals that structure, you know, our daily habits in those things. You know, how, how can we expect to get any good or have a strong faith if we're not daily sort of working at those things. Yeah. You know, with, uh, our group that we have with, uh, Tony Watley and everybody in our group and 365 driven, uh, see 365 driven in, um, success and a huge part of my success of my 365 degrees is 365 days of, uh, of faith. You know, we plan out as much as we can, and then we get all these different curveballs and all these things that come at us sideways. We don't even know where they're coming from. But um, with your faith, which is part of your principles and what you believe in as part of your foundation of how you operate, uh, once you set those things up of how your your mode of operations and you use your faith, and your faith is defined by you. And the only faith that you can have is your own faith. I can't have your faith. I can't have my pastor's faith. I can't have my mom's faith. It's something that you, you cultivate yourself through knowledge and experience that is completely unique to you. So. Yeah, for sure. And let's, let's go over some faith basics. Cause I heard you on a podcast the other day and I got to know this one. You mentioned that, uh, your Bible, your go-to is a Gideon Bible you took out of a hotel room. Is that true? <laughs> Yeah, I borrowed it about, <laughs> I borrowed this Bible about, uh, I don't know how many years now, maybe like four or five years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I uh, was going through a rough time in my life. I pretty much hit rock bottom. I uh, uh, was going through a divorce at the time and I went to, checked in at a hotel and I was laying in bed. I asked God for a sign. I was highly emotional. And I wasn't thinking logically because, because I was blurred by my emotions. And, uh, I told God, I was like, look, I need you to start speaking to me. Like not tomorrow, not in five minutes, like right now, like have the TV come on, have the lights blink, do something. And I laid there and nothing happened. I was like, wow, really? Okay. <laughs> like that, that's all you got. huh? Right. I was like some, some power you got, you know? And then my logic started coming, it started coming in at that point. I go, you know what? Let's try this. I said, if I reach over in this nightstand, there's probably going to be a Bible. So I grabbed it, 
sure enough, there was, there was a Bible. I grabbed it and then I flipped open to it. And when I flipped open to it, what I'd flipped open to spoke directly into the exact situation that I was dealing with. And it gave me a moment of clarity, a, a moment of peace. And I was like, what is the coincidence that of like the 1300 pages in his book that I'm going to fall on anything remotely close to what I'm struggling with and dealing with. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't close. It was spot on. So at that point, do you remember the verse? Uh, no, unfortunately I don't. I think it was something in Ephesians and I, um, I used to have it marked, but my book's so old and beat up at this time that, I was curious. I, I, I wish I did. And there's some people that have had the same similar story. It happens all the time to Christians. Like I can, my family talks about it all the time, how stuff's going on in our lives. And you know, you go to church and you hear the sermon that week or the readings that week. It's just all, it's like, you know, God, God works in mysterious ways. And I know, you know, the Gideons, I actually had to Google this before the show. Cause I, you know, obviously there's Gideon Bibles in like every hotel, but they actually distribute over 80 million Bibles annually and have distributed over 2 billion Bibles, which is crazy. But I think a lot of times some people, when they're searching for faith or trying to figure out their faith journey, they kind of get stuck looking for a sign, like, like you mentioned yourself doing. And then from a Christian perspective, it's like, man, you got to look where you can find what you're looking for and where, where God says he can be found. Right. And then you pull open his word and, and, and that's where he is. Right. Well, the, the magic is, nine times out of 10, what you're looking for, and this is very cliche, and that's why it's cliche, is it's right in front of your face. You're, you're just too stupid and too blind to um, see that what you're looking for and your answers are literally right in front of your face or extremely close to you mm-hmm. or blinded. So what would you tell? So somebody, you encounter someone maybe who calls himself a Christian or um, maybe they're searching for something. How do you kind of branch into that conversation to, to gauge their faith and, and understand a little more about where they're at and, and kind of what, would, what advice would you give to them? What advice would I give them or how would I gauge them? Yeah, just uh, how would you approach that conversation? Because I know I've encountered people flying planes across the country. You yeah. Know, you, you encounter people in all sorts of different ways and you end up having conversations with people. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Christianity, it's difficult, especially in 2020, because anybody that's not Christian, on the outside looking in, they're going to say these three things, and they're going to be absolutely right when they say them. They're like, well, you're a liar, you're a sinner, and you're a hypocrite. And they'd look me right in the eye, and I'd look them back right now and say, you're absolutely right. And they're like, hang on, hang on. How can you... How could you say that? And I'd say because it's true because I'm human being. Mm-hmm. All human beings are sinners. They're hypocritical um, and, and to some extent judgmental. Now, once you get to a certain level in the process of being what I would consider a good Christian, not just a Christian, a good Christian, there's, there's a difference. Just sure. like there's a good human being and a bad human being, you know, and a human being. Um, so when you become what I consider a good Christian, you've accepted those things and accepting is a, is a hugest step in anything is that 
yeah, I can accept that I'm not perfect and I have those flaws like other people, but here's the difference. I'm now more cognizant and more aware of those things than ever in my life. And I want to change and be better. Mm-hmm. So, um, I kind of give them a little bit of shock and awe about it because I don't think people hear that enough. And I don't think Christian going people themselves hear that enough too, because they don't honestly, they don't want to hear that, but right. it's, it's still the truth. Now, to what degree are they those three things? I don't know. Sure. You know, I can only observe them from a distance, but it's not for me to, can you, I, I quit judging the moment that I really came into my faith and really discovered some deep things. There's no more judging out of me whatsoever. I, I analyze people for my own protection, my kids and my own environment, but sure judging to condemn them like oh you do this and this is where you're going nah that's right that i'm not that person yeah and christians also always or often get mislabeled as like thinking they're holier than thou high and mighty better than everybody else and and some people that identify as christians probably do and give us a bad name right but that's not what christianity is about and i love your your question about or i guess your comment about being a sinner hypocrite and a judge one question I love asking people is just up front, do you believe you're a sinner? Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. And if they don't, then they're not looking for a savior. So it's, it's hard to even have a, a conversation about faith and something outside yourself if the person doesn't at least believe that they're sinful, right? Yeah, I mean, like I said, re- revealing something and accepting something, these are like some of the hugest steps in anything in life. So like if you're trying to be a new believer in a new faith or you're trying to change. And when I say change, I mean, maybe before you were an alcoholic, maybe you were abusive or whatever. So the first step in any of that stuff is revealing that and accepting some of that stuff. So there's a lot of parallels with new beginners and new thinkers into uh, a new way of thinking and a perception um, in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I often follow, I like following up that question with, you know, if they, if they do say they're a sinner, sometimes I'll follow up with, so, you know, what do you, what do you do with your sin? Because, you know, if, yeah. you, if you do believe you're a sinner and, and, uh, you believe there's a creator God out there that, that doesn't like <laughs> that behavior and, and threatens to punish it. Right. So what, <laughs> you know, what do you do with, what do you do with that sin? Yeah. So I tell my daughters, I wrote this in my book uh, and it's a good quote that I kind of came up with so I can tell my daughters this are like 10 and 12 right now. So I tell them if, if something in life is good, it's, it's a blessing. If it's bad, it's a lesson. So if you're sinning or, you know, you're, you're in the midst of you are sinning or you have sin or whatnot, that sin's a lesson and you're the one that has to bear the brunt of the sin because you're the one that has to live with it. Mm-hmm. If you can live with it, you're fine with it. And it has, you don't see that it has no cause and effect or a recourse on you. Then you probably won't ever change. But right. when you, when you wake up to the fact that it's not good, it's not healthy, it's not actually benefiting you getting from point A to point B of where you want to get to point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Um, then they won't reveal it and they won't wake up to it. They, they won't care. Right. 
Yeah, that's a great transition into talking a little bit about faith struggles because I know um, you've been through some struggles which kind of launched you into faith. I, I kind of have a I've, I've been a lifelong Christian, but I had a moment kind of in my college days where I I realized that hey my my actions aren't really matching what I'm saying I believe, and I kind of had this aha sort of I'm a hypocrite moment, you know, and and I mean I knew I was one all along, but it just kind of hit me one day, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and that was kind of my come to Jesus moment for lack of a better term, even though I, I still believe I was a, a believer the whole time. Right. Sure. Um, so talk a little bit about how God kind of chastened you through your journey or, or, you know, kind of led you and taught you a lesson to bring you back to faith and, or did you grow up a man of faith? So real strong South Louisiana, Roman Catholic upbringing. I mean, hardcore. Okay. And, uh, you know, I went through all the catechisms and all the, you know, uh, structure and the structure is really just to, uh, get you through certain processes and teach you ancient texts and scripture and stories. Uh, all cultures love to teach through storytelling. Mm -hmm. And so Catholic church does the same thing to young kids. They tell stories that have meaning and purpose and you might not get them at first when you're young, but when you get older, you're like, oh, wow, okay, it was teaching this story or that story or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's programmed into you at a very young age. And so, um, so yeah, so I had, I had that upbringing, but, you know, you don't cultivate your faith, you don't test your faith, and you don't, uh, you know, like you said, that coming to Jesus moment that you had um, comes under tremendous amount of testing of your faith, you know, being brought to you, basically being brought to your knees to really question, do you believe or not? So uh, if you look at the stories in the Bible, like one of the most hardcore stories is the book of Job mm. and Job, you know, God makes a deal with the devil and says, you can do anything and everything to this guy, you know, to try to turn his faith away from me. Right. And Satan's is, yeah. powerless against being able to turn this guy. So, um, you know, God then restored everything tenfold to Job after he was, you know, tested. So for me, um, when I was going to get baptized as an adult, mm -hmm. so I was actually cognizant of my baptism. Like I'd gotten christened when I was a, a young baby. Sure. You know, that wasn't a choice as a Catholic family that you're going to get baptized, you know, come hell or high water. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when I became cognizant that like, Hey, I'd be at church and they'd say, Hey, if you feel convicted, you feel like you need to get baptized and be reborn again, like come up here, you know, and I'd feel this huge gravitational tug that I need to make this new, this commitment as an adult and start being this example and start changing some major things in my life. And, um, I had a guy kind of warn me, I said, you know, I think I'm fixing to get baptized again. And, uh, everybody's like, Oh, congratulations. You're going to get baptized. It's amazing. And one guy pulled me to the side that really knew his faith. And he said something really deep. He was like, now that the devil knows that you're cognizant about healthy, positive changes, when you make one close advancement away from him and closer to God, he's going to come after you and attack you like you've never seen. And I was like, that sounded a little bit deep and a little bit crazy to me at the time. 
And uh, sure enough, as soon as I got baptized, it's really when, you know, you know, it's when the shit hit the fan. And, uh, you know. Was it, was it right just, after that? Yeah. I really? Mean, very, wow. Very, very soon after that, you know, uh, my ex-wife wanted to file divorce. I had a construction company that I had to part with. I had a house and a home I just built. It was wow. my dream home. Uh, my daughters were like seven years old and nine years old. Wow. They loved, they loved it. We built, I built a pool for them because that was going to be their, you know, that was going to be our end all be all in the house. I, I had gotten to the pinnacle of my life of living the American dream and then committed to, um, my faith. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading, um, a story of Abraham to my daughters one night or right around when all this stuff was happening and the story of Abraham and he brings his son up onto a hill and God's questioning his faith. He goes, uh, if you have enough faith in me, then I need you to sacrifice your first and only son, (laughs) which, which, which is crazy. It's like, if you're going to sacrifice anything, the highest sacrifice any father human being could possibly make would be their firstborn and their only child. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading the story to my kids and the youngest one looked at me and she's like, dad, like, do you have to do that? And I'm like, no, 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 no. This like, not, Aww. not gonna, not, yeah. I was, I was like, wow, man, she, she's really, she's really in tune. She's really listening yeah. and paying attention. I said, no, no, no. I said, this, this is a story. Now, when I went to bed that night, I said, I want to call myself a Christian and I want to say that I have that kind of faith. So in my mind, I had to actually contemplate if God commanded me to do certain things, could I, could I possibly have that kind of faith? Cause Abraham did it as a man, not as mm-hmm. a God or an angel or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. And that really was to foreshadow if mankind really could have that kind of faith. So later on that, you know, I feel like God could actually sacrifice Jesus for mankind to right. see if, if mankind actually had that kind of, faith on their own before Jesus even showed up to, you know. Yeah. And in that story, right. Did he end up going through with it? No. Right. You know, so it, God, God provided a sacrifice, right? So that's the foreshadowing of, of Jesus. He said, no, 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 don't sacrifice your son, Abraham. <laughs> well, yeah, he said, here's, an angel. here's a, here's a ram <laughs> stuck in the thicket. You can sacrifice him instead. Right. Yeah. You know, the angels, the angel came down and stopped him before he could, you know, commit the act. And, sure. uh, you know, that whole deal. But yeah, I mean, I could start feeling, Philip, I could start feeling that these tests were coming hot and heavy. Mm-hmm. And these thoughts that I were having, you know, I wasn't, you know, when a man wants to try to like really test himself, you know, most men, alpha males or any of these guys, they want to see what they're made of. So it's like either fighting or boxing or football or any of these things, you always kind of want to see what you're made of. Well, in faith, mm-hmm. you ever want to see what you're made of and you start getting baptized and you start having these questions about your own faith, uh, God's going to start testing you in, in these hardcore ways because that's the only way to, to find out if you meet the mark is you, you, you either produce it or you fail. Well, and, and Satan's not going to go after people he's already got, right? He's going to come after people where he knows that they can fall and he's a tricky little SOB that that guy 
I know I got, so I, I don't know if you can see this. I got my family signet ring on. It's the armor of God. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, there's the, there's the, uh, the song, classic Christian song, Onward Christian Soldiers, and and obviously the the Bible talks about putting on the armor of God, and um, you know it's really it's warfare, it's spiritual warfare that you go into when you trust in Jesus, and you you're gonna get attacked by the principalities and powers that be in this world that don't want anything to do with Jesus or God's word, and don't want it preached, and don't want it taught. And uh, you better get ready for war. Yeah. It's coming. Abso- absolutely. And so societally, we have what we consider alpha males, but then we have what are considered Christian alpha males. And so one of the, the strongest words that you're going to find in the Bible is the word called meekness. And meekness is best described to me as power under control. Power, not just power, because if you have... 10,000 horsepower, but no brakes. Good luck. And, uh, but if you have power under control, um, which is described as meekness in the Bible, and it also says the meek will inherit the earth. Mm -hmm. That's what it says. So, uh, understanding that you have this great power under control, uh, exemplifies an alpha Christian male. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the younger men that we can, cultivate in that type of culture to understand what that means and how it works and the dynamics of it. Um, that's, what's super interesting to me because I think a lot of the churches have failed to engage, uh, newer society because honestly they have society's doing a better job of gaining their attention than we are. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree. And I love that meekness power under control. I like I like that description a lot. I think uh, lots of times we the, the alpha male mentality really kind of looks to themselves for like some sort of internal power. And what's cool about Christianity is is lots of times we'll get we'll get kind of accused of being self righteous or you know holier than thou or we're better than you. But all of our power doesn't come from us; it comes from God and a power outside of ourselves, you know, the, the stuff we believe it's not, I didn't invent it. You know, it was stuff that was given to me. Thanks be <laughs> to God. The Holy Spirit spirit revealed it to me. Yeah. And I was able to believe and not reject it. Right. So, you know, that's, that is so cool. That meekness you talk about, cause I do think that's such a cool way to describe it. Power under control. I love that. Yeah, it was, I'm, I, I use the kiss method. So in construction, they use it. South Louisiana, they use it. Most contractors in the field use it. So the KISS method, have you ever heard of the KISS method? Sounds familiar, but remind me. It's keep it simple, stupid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that philosophy is just keeping things simple. And me being from South Louisiana, some of those guys are the most brightest genius people on planet Earth. But believe if, it. But if you actually talk to them and you talk to a guy like me that have had to develop systems and things like that, I said, I'm not a genius. They're like, what do you mean? You figured this out, figured that out and all these steps and probably go, I was forced to do this with as little, well, at the time is maximum effort, but then me being actually smart, I wanted to do it with the least amount of effort. So I was like, I'm actually by trade, I'm actually a lazy man, but 
um, if I'm forced to figure something out and do it repetitively, I'm going to figure out the easiest way to get it done. Right. <laughs> and they're like, we call that genius. I say, like, Hey, sounds good to me. It's <laughs> a hell of a lot better than me calling lazy. There you go. <laughs> oh man. So you touched a little bit about baptism and I want to, I want to touch on it quickly. We could have it. I know that it's an age old conversation about infant baptism. And, um, I think baptism is really such a, a blessing. One of the, you know, few sacraments that Jesus himself, you know, instituted. And, um, what's cool about it is baptism really is a gift to us. And, you know, I, I think lots of times Christians can confuse baptism as like something they do for God when God promises faith and life-saving grace in baptism to us. Yeah. And so, you know, from the, from, from those who are supportive of infant baptism, we see it that way and would say, you know, I would, I would have said, Hey, if you got baptized as a kid in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and now you have faith, you probably could have clung to that baptism and, and been fine. But is there something wrong with you getting baptized again? I'm not going to say that. Um, it, it, it's, it's cleansing. Uh, it's cleansing of the soul is, is if, if you really like John the Baptist was doing it before Jesus even showed mm -hmm. up on the scene. So John wasn't even instructed by Jesus. You know, he was already doing it. And uh, Jesus went to John to get but it was a baptism. It was a different baptism. It was a baptism of repentance. It wasn't a baptism of the Holy Spirit until uh, after until after Jesus was baptized. Yeah. Then the Holy Spirit came down, and and so we could talk about baptism yeah. and theology all day. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. Oh, but I do yeah. want to touch on it because you know I, I think it's so cool that you had that moment where you realized, hey, I'm I'm willing to take on this challenge of faith, knowing that I'm going to face some hard trials. And amazingly, they came shortly after, which is crazy. I didn't, I didn't, Satan hit me where, like you said, he hit me where he knew was going to hit me the hardest. He took from me, he took from me what I had loved and coveted the most in this world, which is my home, my family, my wife, collectively as a group. And cause I, I had money, I had cars, I had everything that a successful person, I figured out how to climb there. I figured out how to, you know, hack the system in the industry that I worked in. Like I was killing it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I started making products and manufacturing products that so we were installing those products. So instead of paying retail, we're paying manufacturing price. So if somebody bid against me, they're going to do it for free basically. But, um, I had hit this moment and, you know, I guess my spiritual journey was so powerful that, um, there was more for me in my journey. And I had let a lot of that success get to me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, uh, trust me, I, I had my hand in my, you know, in my divorce. It wasn't one sided. It was, it was definitely a lot of things that I do now that I wasn't doing then. Right. So, you know, it was a ripping off of the bandaid in the most painful way. It was way more than a bandaid, but yeah. I mean, like you said, that spiritual warfare, he, 
he was going to try to use what I love, what the devil does. He uses what you love the most mm -hmm. against you to get you turn against your ways and God and your faith so that he's got you in his back pocket forever. So, and, and what God does is he'll step in and say, Hey, look, I'm going to use this devil trying to be a little trickster over here. <laughs> And I'm going to use it just to make your face stronger because guess what, Eric Dupree? You loved all that other stuff more than me, right? And that's, that. you know, the Bible says it's going to be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not easy, right? It's, it's easy to fall in and love all that stuff you got, all those guitars hanging on the wall. And <laughs> yeah, not that well, I'm a rich man. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm it's blessed, a, right? Yeah, no, we're, we're all blessed in our, in, our, uh, in our own way. And a lot of people don't see that. I mean... Uh, again, these steps, these processes, all these things that I went through for 40 years that it took me to come to these realizations, uh, I articulated a lot of this stuff in my book. And cause mm -hmm. I, I wanted to show people the full gamut of the failures, the experience, uh, where my childhood was and like, man, there's so many chapters in this particular book and when you get midway through the book, the second half of the book is chock full of solutions mm -hmm. that are face-based scripture that I was able to decode because it's, there's a lot of hidden allegoric things in the Bible that at first view and first glance, you don't, you don't know or you don't see. Right. And uh, there's some real special stuff in there that most people, even if you told them, unless they've gone through similar experiences, they wouldn't believe you even if they tried. So we got to go through some experiences to gain knowledge through the experience because there's some things you just can't read out of a book. Very true. Very true. I know, uh, you know, from having hard times in your life, the Bible, it, it's, it's like, uh, it's like any other book you read, you know, you, you might read a book 10 years ago and then, you know, you pick it up and read it again. And you're like, man, I, I like, I missed this whole part about, <laughs> you know, how to invest. Like I didn't get it, you know, and now from a financial perspective, you're in a position to hear it. And that's why it's so important to stay in that word and, and keep hearing it. Right. So you're always growing, always learning, and, and you're never going to know it all. Yeah. No, that's the, that's the lifelong journey of the Christian is, you know, that you don't know. And all you can do is, is soak up what you can and, <laughs> and praise be to God. He's, he's given us faith. So let's talk a little bit more about the book specifically, the lost yeah. art of faith. I'm curious, you mentioned reverse engineering and I love that concept. I think lots of people don't spend enough time sort of stopping, thinking, getting a vision of that end state and then reverse engineering how to get there talk a little bit about sort of how you did that with your book the lost art of faith um for me it was became like a massive amount of therapy um you know journaling my thoughts of what i was going through and what i was dealing with um i was a scrambled puzzle like you took my whole puzzle or piece of glass, however you want to, whatever analogies you want to use. And I use a ton of analogies because they're great. If you mm -hmm. use a really good analogy to get somebody to visualize a concept that you're really trying to hammer home. And yeah. so thousands of puzzle pieces that I had put together to make this puzzle and then just completely shattered into pieces. Mm -hmm. Now 
what's crazy is uh, I was able to then, you know, that, that dream and that stuff, it was destroyed. It was destroyed. So I had to figure out like, could I continue to try to pick up those puzzle pieces? Well, if I did, I would just put together the same picture all over again and it would lead to the same thing by doing the same, you know, it's the definition of insanity. And I was like, guess what? If I go through this time and effort of putting myself back together and figuring this stuff out and doing all this, I'm not going to do it in the same way, in the same order and the same stuff. So, um, I took a new approach and a new process that was an enlightenment process that I went through. I, you know, I would call it like divine, divine knowledge that once God knows that you're pure at heart about your initiative and your agenda and you're, you're pure at heart about what it is that you want to do now, he's going to start opening up some doors to you and you know, the Holy spirit, like you mentioned, the Holy spirit, the Holy ghost, um, they're going to start opening and locking some secrets that can only be bestowed to people that have pure thoughts and agendas that want to really accomplish something special. Because um, if you want to use those types of powers, that's going to get, you know, divine powers that's going to be given to you by knowledge of the Bible and your faith. Um, you could do some very destructive things with that. And if you serve a God that doesn't want to see that happen, he already knows your heart, your soul, your mind. So um, it, you're not, you're not going to go to that, what I'd call next level. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I, uh, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And I think the mo- the motivation, your motivation matters so much. And this is something we talk a lot when we talk about Christian freedom yeah. You know, lots of times people point fingers at, oh, you know, you shouldn't drink or, oh, you know, you shouldn't do this or, oh, you know, you shouldn't do that. And I'm a big believer in, you know, God's word says right and wrong, right? There's God's laws. And then yep. there's our conscience and our motivation that really is our sort of personal gauge on, hey, look, you know, if, if God's word doesn't specifically say one way or the other, this or that then don't point your finger at me and tell me, you know, I'm doing something wrong and like convict my conscience when, when I'm not convicted. Right. I'm, 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 my conscience isn't trouble, but if I am doing something wrong, then you better tell me and you better, you better, you know, come, come in front of me and, and uh, tell me where I'm sitting and give me a chance to repent. Yeah. I mean, when I first became a new Christian, a born again, Christian, is, is what it was as a born again Christian. Mm-hmm. I could see all the flaws in everybody because I, I, I'd indoctrinate myself in the word so heavily that I could see it in all these other people. Mm-hmm. But then one day I had to sit there and stand in my own mirror <laughs> and yeah. I had to say, Holy crap. <laughs> you know why it's so easy for me to point out this, 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 and this and other people. <laughs> Because I'm a master at those things. Right. I'm, I'm a freaking master. I'm like, I've, I mean, I'm on a different level than all those people at the bad shit that they're doing. And so um, I was like, wow, that was a, an epiphany. That was a revelation for me. It was like, okay, look, this book is for me and me only to gauge myself for reproof and correction to take this and rebuild it and do something with it based on these patterns and the models that you, you find in scripture. 
Now, when I'm at a, I don't know, let's say 90%, when I'm at 90%, then maybe, then maybe if I see somebody I truly love and care about, then I can tactfully and, and wisely approach them about things that I see that they're not doing that's mm-hmm. uh, n- not, not good for them. And that kind of wisdom to discern that of when and how to go talk to them about it. Cause I could go say, cause <laughs> b- b- before all this, I was a very transparent, I talk a lot, but when I talk, it's truth. It comes like straight, straight from truth. Like I don't mm-hmm. try to, I don't lie. I'm transparent. And, um, uh, I always come from a place of basically just to be a real raw asshole. That's, but, but an honest, but an honest asshole. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But so now my approach is so different because I understand approach is so important that you can, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Well, guess what? That cliche saying is so powerful because it's, it's as basic, as simple as you get. Now I know how to approach people with so much more power to what I'm fixing to tell them that they respect it so much that we actually get the results and the change that, that we want instead of giving a, a, a negative net effect that we don't want. Yeah, for sure. I think so many people that have great intentions, they don't <laughs> focus. They, it's like they, they don't think they have to care about the way they do things. They think, well, I'm right. Or, you know, this is right. I know it's true. So I can just say it however, and it should, it should yeah. work. It doesn't not how it works Jesus, at all. Well, the cle- the biggest cliche saying is what would Jesus do? So right. if you think Jesus would come at him like hardcore and yelling at him and mad and pissed <laughs> off with a pissed off face. No, he, yeah. he would, he's called the Prince of peace. Yeah. Yeah. What Jesus would do is let himself get nailed to a cross and die for the whole world who hated him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he, he's definitely going to do that, but you know, one of the greatest stories is when the Pharisees come to him and they're always trying to trip him up um, because they're like, Oh, here's the law. Here's the law. Here's all these laws. And he's like, you're right. Those all are laws, but guess what? There's a thing called priority, priority, priority. And you got this all ass backwards that you, your priorities are jacked up mm-hmm. and he, he'd catch them slipping every time they couldn't, they couldn't right. catch them slipping. But the one story that was really important is that that always resonates with me about hypocrisy of the law and Christianity and when somebody's trying to trip you up for the sake of tripping you up mm-hmm. is they bring the uh the uh, adulterous woman to him and um you know they throw him throw her at him and say hey look you know by law she's committing adultery we're supposed to stone her to death and Jesus looks them all square in the eye and he goes the first one of you that has never sinned ever go ahead and throw that first stone and they looked at each other and they all knew that each sinned at some point in time, they had to drop their stones and they had to walk mm-hmm. away. Now my grandmother, that's uh, she's a Franciscan nun. Mm-hmm. She goes, that story's kind of weird because they brought the woman, but they didn't bring the man. <laughs> right. You know, it's a, it was like a double standard, you know? Oh yeah. You know, it's like, well, it takes two to tango. So where was the man at in this whole thing? But they, <laughs> You know, so I, was, I never thought about that. And, well, unless you're probably a woman, you probably don't ever think about that. But, uh, so my point. grandma, my grandma, she, she, she uses some of that humor in that, you know, and 
by using that humor to that story, it makes you remember that story that much more, you know, but, uh, you know, Jesus couldn't even look at her. You know, if you read the story, he said he couldn't bear to look at her because he knew that that sin was going to scar her because of shame and guilt. That was worse than a freaking stoning, to be honest with you. Like you got to carry around the shame and guilt with you. Uh, that's, that's a lot. Those are the scars that you'll, you don't see. Mm-hmm. And, and people got to carry that around every day. And some people, that burden gets so heavy that they end up committing suicide or something like that. And they almost wished maybe somebody did stone them to death. You know, it's tough. Yeah. I, people struggle with so many things as a Christian. Sometimes I wonder, you know, how people in this world deal with tough situations like you've been through or, or, you know, lots of people have been through way tougher than that. I'm sure. And, and anything I've been through, you know, and if they don't have something to lean on, like their faith in something like, you know, especially, you know, a true faith in Jesus, I don't know. I don't know how they get by. Like, I don't, I don't know where you have your hope in this world without that rock. And, um, you know, it's horrible to hear about things like suicide and, and people that are despairing like that. Um, yeah. I mean, you, when you are mentally challenged to a level where like, okay. So like in, in, in my situation, I got extremely depressed because no matter how much amount of money I amassed, no matter how big a company I built, no matter if I became king of the world, accepting the fact that I wasn't going to walk back into my children's life and their home and all that. Um, at one point I was like, Hey, you know, I had to just straight up tell God, I was like, either repurpose me for something amazing and awesome, or just, just take me because this is more pain that I can bear. I, I mean, if you want to chop my right arm off, I'd rather you do that than keep me from my kids and my family for the rest of my life. And so, um, the devil, you know, and it, the devil could be very metaphoric of like your internal struggle with your own emotions and feelings and things like that. You know, where's a, uh, a realm inside your own mind. But like you said earlier, spiritual warfare, there's definitely a third dimension or another realm of spiritual spirituality that we can't see, but we can definitely feel it. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times we can, we even see some of the tangible results of that reality sometimes. But uh, I was in a deep, dark spot, man. I mean, I, I got to the point where uh, I told God, I said, if things just don't change, how do I continue to bear this kind of uh, pain? Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'd prayed and prayed and, and what I finally discovered is when you pray for something, God does not snap his fingers and give it to you. Mm-hmm. What he does is he gives you an opportunity to stand up and fight on your own when that situation arises. So like, if you, if you pray to God for patience today, tomorrow he's going to force you to sit in traffic for three hours. (laughs) This is the, trust me, trust me. Like I used to, it's, it's awesome because once you, I mean, once you understand this dynamic that I just told you about prayer, it's going to open up your mind to so many things because you're going to be like, Holy crap. Like, dude, I asked God for this today and then tomorrow I was hit with this and this and this. And I mean, and you people get frustrated and they're like, well, I prayed. He was supposed to give it to me. 
He's yeah. not gonna. He's not gonna give it to you. He's gonna give you the opportunity to seize your own demons, so that make you a fisherman of men. So, like, once you learn how to fish, you can feed yourself. It's so funny. Coming right out of church <laughs> is often the time. Like, I'll I'll have this great time listening to the sermon and God's word. And, you know, we receive the sacraments. I feel so good. I'm like, man, that was just a great service and coming out of church and on the drive home, I'll catch myself blowing up and like, <laughs> I'm, and I'm like, good grief. What's wrong with me? But it, it's like that same thing you were just talking about where like, you know, you pray for these things and then you find yourself struggling with it like right away. And it's like, man, how quick am I to just fall? Yep. And, and, uh, you revert, you revert back to it's, it's bad programming and bad habits. And um, so there's the whole spiritual side. I mean, there's a whole spiritual face side of things in the book, but then there's uh, how human beings are created and how we function like here on earth in this particular reality in the, in the, the laws that God established here on planet earth in this particular reality. So like in my book, I was able to connect the dots for people to understand how you have to control yourself as a human being on planet earth in this particular reality, knowing that there are other things in a spiritual realm, but we ain't in that spiritual realm. You know, we can feel it, but we're not there. We're here. So if you think you can fight, you know, not using some of the tools of the laws and things that God created here, you're going to be mismatched and you're, you're going to be, uh, it, yeah, the devil, not only the devil, but other people, once they recognize that you don't have self-control, that you have bad habits, they'll manipulate you like you have no idea mm -hmm. and you can't figure out why you can't get ahead or you're disgruntled. <laughs> easy, man. Easy. Right. It's easy. So hacking into this and man, you know, I don't, you know, they talk about professional level or genius level or whatever they consider so many hours like 10,000 hours yeah. 20,000 hours whatever I said I've been thinking about this kind of crap since I was freaking nine years old so I'm like you want to amplify how many hours I've probably thought stewing over all this stuff I go so if you want to know how many hours I've invested of time thought experience failures failure analysis of like you know, all this stuff, man, I, to write this book and to have uh, credentials behind it, mm -hmm. you know, I, like I said, I've literally, once I was cognizant of God and the dynamics of like, we're in this world, why is the grass green? Why is the sky blue? The moment that that little child mind starts asking the question, why, man, you go on this odyssey of wondering and creation, all this stuff. And then, uh, then you get deeper in life and you see things as you get older in life, automatically things just get taken from you. Your, your youth, your, uh, um, people, um, all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. Well, we're in a process of a spiritual journey. The moment we're born to the moment we die, we're on a spiritual journey. If, if that's what you believe in, Mm -hmm. And most all major religions, not just Christianity, they all believe the same exact thing that we're on some kind of spiritual journey odyssey. And, uh, they'll all agree that on a daily basis, we're actually all tested. You know, we're all tested every day 
to, you know, figure out to what degree we can handle a test to get from level, you know, from one level to the next level, because God's kind of like, if you can't pass level one, I'm pretty sure you can't pass level two because I already know what you're made of. And right now you, you're just not made of the goods. So sure. why, you know, he, he who can't be trusted with a little can't be trusted with a lot. So in that scripture is, is also saying that I can't bring you to level three or four if you can't pass one or two. Yeah, definitely. I, I, uh, I think I just was talking about this on another show the other day, but you know, with this guy, uh, Jared, who, as this motivation video I used to watch before I went and worked out, but he talked about, if you can't do the dishes right, how, how can you expect to run a fortune 500 company? Right. And, uh, you know, the whole yeah. to whom more is given more is expected. And with great power comes great responsibility sort of phrases, you know, all that sort of rooted in, in scripture and the faithful steward, right? If you're, if you're not a yeah. faithful steward with a little, yeah, how can you expect that God's going to give you a lot? And that, that goes, especially, I mean, that whole, that whole parable is about faith, right? And uh, being Absolutely. a good steward of God's gifts of faith and sharing those with people and, and growing those, uh, growing the body of Christ here on earth. Yeah. And that, in that body, it's like, it, it's an amazing thing. How I start seeing models and patterns in so many things now that my faith has grown and I've analyzed the, the Bible so much. Uh, I was telling a guy kind of an, an analogy today. I said, you know, parts of the Bible aren't chronologically in order. Mm -hmm. you know and so historians historians that don't want to believe in the bible like well look your bible is even all out of order i said well look it's written for a purpose and a reason in a specific order that it's already arranged in and i said you're not focusing on what the most important thing is is the purpose of why it's arranged in that specific order and uh once you understand why it's arranged in that specific order um uh, you wouldn't even care the fact that it's chronologically not in order. Cause honestly, that part doesn't matter. It's the message. The message is the most important thing of that entire book. And, um, another thing in the book is that it's individualistic stories that comprise of an analogy of what it is to build a human life from Genesis to revelations. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, Genesis is that dawn of creation and you can make these, these, uh, these connections, visual graphics of, okay, so Genesis is creation. So male and then female, and you can make a transition of like, uh, when you're first born, there's a male and female egg that is in a womb. And so when you get to like, let's say Exodus, well, Exodus is short for saying exit. They're leaving a place of comfort to go to a place of discomfort. And so this is very, this parallels very similar to now birth at conception mm -hmm. of leaving birth out of conception and then going into a new place that's uncomfortable and starting a learning process. And, you know, I even got as deep as like, you know, when they talk about manna that they're, they're, you know, eating in the wilderness cause they don't have anything else. Well, yeah, I said, if we're going on this path of conception and then you're a baby now and you look at the chapters to this course, what, like what, that. yeah. So, so baby what food, be, what, what would be maybe food at the point? Well, it basically be breast milk, you know, yeah. it gives you everything and all the resources and nutrients you need it like that. Well, 
Trust That's me. Interesting. It, well, it's interesting because if you if you fast forward, if you fast forward kind of towards the end, you get to close to the book of James, right? Uh-huh. And the awesome thing about the book of James, he's like, okay, now that you've gone through your birth, your childhood, all this knowledge, you know, you're an adult now. He goes, you know it, you see it, you accept, accept it. And now James says, now do it. Right. Now do it. So mm-hmm. you've, you've ran the whole gamut of all this information that's passed to you in this Bible of how to like change yourself and do all these things for yourself and your life and all this stuff. And then, and then revelations gets really unique because most people freak out about revelations because <laughs> they're like, they're talking about demons and dragons and the yeah. fire seven fire. heads and 10 horns. And yeah. So, <laughs> so, so to, if you'll, if you'll bear with me, you know, you get to revelations as scary as shit. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so the thing is, that's to the point where the book of James kicks, you know, when, when James says you start becoming a doer and you start actually putting into process, you're believing, you're accepting, and you start actually putting into action. Well, that's when you're going to have to slay and, and, and fight some of your greatest demons, your biggest fears at that moment of your life. So to me, revelations is your true new life and your true new beginning is on the other side of fear. Mm-hmm. And if you can slay all your dragons, all your demons internally, because that's where all this crap exists internally. You know, it's inside you. It's inside me. It's inside every individual. We, we fight the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. That's a hell of a battle. <laughs> the flesh is the, the, the biggie. Yeah, oh, absolutely. In this, world, in this world, in this particular reality, um, I can't believe where I read it, but... I don't know if it's in Corinthians or, or one of the books, but it said when society, you know, there was the battle of society versus faith and faith lost, you know? Yeah. It, so you mentioned James. I think uh, that's like one of the age old conversations between, you know, like <laughs> Roman Catholicism and, and uh, non-denominational or, or, uh, other denominations of Christianity is the whole works conversation. And do you have to do good works to be saved? And I think the old Roman Catholic confession is basically, yeah, good works are required for salvation. Right. And so the, you know, the, we Lutherans would say, you know, you, you, you're saved by your faith, by grace alone, through, through faith alone, by the blood of Jesus. But that doesn't mean you can just go live however you want. Cause if you have true faith, then you're going to, you know, an apple tree doesn't <laughs> not produce apples. You know what I mean? It, if you're a Christian, you're going to act like a Christian. If you believe, you will do as you believe, if your faith is true, right? So, well, like, uh, one example is like, hey, if I believe in gravity, I'm, I'm not going to go step off that building over there because I know I'm going to fall to my death, right? So my actions follow that belief. And so I think, I think it's the same way with faith. If I truly believe in what the Bible teaches and what these, you know, I believe that Jesus died for me and I believe he's going to come to judge the living and the dead someday, then I'm going to, then I'm going to do and follow what Jesus says. I'm not going to do it perfect. Right. Cause I'm sinful being. Oh, you won't, you won't be perfect. Um, and God, like there's a scripture that I have hanging too. That's, uh, 
uh, in my bathroom, it says, uh, trust in God with all your heart, but don't lean on your own understanding. Yeah. But lean out on your own understanding. Yeah. And so, so God, you know, it's funny. They use that cliche saying if God works in mysterious ways, which is actually mm-hmm. not in the Bible. We've actually, <laughs> we actually paraphrase that. Yeah. Uh, and I use it all the time too, but he, he works in mysterious ways to us. Right. Him, he actually works on a system, a process. Like what Tony talks about all these other people. Once we learn to get along with the process mm-hmm. and go with the flow, like it's man, it's, it's, it's gravy. So now the problem is, is that when you do good or you do bad or you do works or whatever, you're trying to figure out, you're trying to figure out as a man with your man brain here on sure. earth uh, with limited knowledge, like it says, don't lean on your own understanding because right. if I do something bad, sometimes it actually gives it an opportunity for somebody else to do something Christian. Now I'm not sitting here saying I do it intentionally, right? Right. but I'm going to screw up. I'm not going to be perfect, but when I, when I screw up, it also benefits them too, because it allows an opportunity for somebody else to be Christian, like in that situation where I'm not. So right. if we were all perfect and he couldn't design us to be perfect, then bottom line is we wouldn't have free will. We wouldn't have choice. We'd just be a bunch of robots. You know? So true. So true. I think sometimes we get real hard on ourselves too. I, this was when I think of where <laughs> I am today. Too hard. Yeah. Like, I remember back to like my childhood and now I think of where I am today. And like, I just, I thought so many things were like such a big deal and they're just not, I mean, yeah, sin is a big deal. I'm not trying to make light of it, but yeah, you know, a lot of things just aren't that big a deal. Like everything will be fine, you know? And, and I don't know if that's growing in my faith or just, just perspective from getting older. Yeah. You know, even thinking back to some of the hardest times in my life, I'm like, man, you know, like it was bad, but, you know, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Could have been a lot as, worse. It ain't as bad as hell. I can tell you that oh, much. For sure, brother. And I've been, I've, I think each man, each man's different. Each human's different. I think we're all going to have to go through our own hell to get to heaven. I think, I really think that. I think that statement, you can write it, you can put on the wall, you can do whatever you want with. I think each person at some defining moment in their life, if they really want to say that they have faith, and they're going to go through their trial and tribulation and one person's story compared to another. It's not a comparison because what hurts them really bad may mm-hmm. not hurt me really bad. Like taking my car away and my, uh, you know, $10,000 a month, um, you know, spending account or allowance or something like that. Like uh, that wouldn't hurt me, but somebody else mm-hmm. that might like devastate their whole entire world. Cause that's the only oh, freaking yeah. world. That's the only world that they knew. Mm-hmm. And so somebody else be like, well, that's the worst, like, happening. Like, that doesn't sound bad at all. Well, dude, right. you never walked a mile in their shoes. You don't know what that feels like for that person to right. feel like all of a sudden now they got to go eat at McDonald's or something versus, like, every day they could eat the most greatest thing on planet. Well, that's like a comparison of, like, uh, I mean, I truly look at the comparison of, of heaven and earth compared to heaven earth is hell oh yeah you know without a doubt and like you said all those three struggles that you mentioned earlier that we got to face not as gods as humans right we got to fight all that crap as regular old plain old humans with human tools Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah no wonder (laughs) the good thing is we're not alone in it 
<laughs> as Christians, right? And no. man, the verse "Take up your cross and follow me." I mean, when you when you sign up for this Christian thing, when God, <laughs> when, God when God converts your heart and and you believe, then you're gonna face persecution. The world's gonna hate you. They're oh, a- absolutely, man! Like, um, I, and I I've learned how to diffuse all this stuff. Like, I've mastered this art of energy, like this art of, of positive and negative energy. Like I'm very analytical and scientific and quantitative and I've been able to bring in all those thoughts and ideas alongside my faith where they're freaking connected to where I can sit here. I had to, I had to logically also prove my faith to myself through science. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that was not easy. You know, and then I, and then at one point I just had to say, if I'm going to believe in something and I'm going to do something and I'm going to have faith in something where I can't actually answer every single question mm-hmm. at that point, I have to exercise a leap of faith. Sure. And I would, I would argue that, uh, science takes modern day world science takes more faith than Christianity does. Would, Once, would be my argument. It's, spoken, it's a face spoken, of its own, in my well, opinion. Well, spoken like a true Christian, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for so, sure. You know, Jesus. Jesus came from a place of understanding to create peace. So the thing is, is that uh, Christians, non-Christians, or bad Christians, or Christians that are very hypocritical, like I have to take the approach now of having a tremendous amount of understanding of their perspective because we're not arguing about like, let's see here. Okay. Here's my book. You can see the backside of it. Okay. So tell me what's on the front of it. I mean, you can't see it. You can't see it. So we're talking about the same book, but we can't see the same thing. Now, if I flip it, you know, you you can see it and you can articulate it. You could say all these things and you sure. can see it, touch it. You got all the proof and all the other stuff here. And so like uh but I don't know what's inside it. A lot of good stuff, man. Um <laughs> it so. yeah. So uh perspective and understanding. Like, I'm gonna tell you this much. Communication is not the most important thing in a relationship. It's it's key, but we can all usually communicate because we're adults. We're not a, you know, we can talk and stuff like that. It's not a problem. Right. But what's more difficult is understanding somebody else and their perspective and mm-hmm. taking yourself and your ego and your selfish needs and wants away from you and then putting yourself in the other person's seat and then looking across at yourself. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I had to cross-examine all that from my ex-wife's point of view, I was like, crap, you know, at the time, based on what I, who I was, what I was doing, um, which what I was doing is I got out of alignment with my Christian priorities. I wasn't putting my family first because I was putting my success, my business. I, I had been hungry for success and money, mm-hmm. thinking it was going to buy me some amazing future while I was neg- neglecting the present time. Right. And I was losing the present time and she knew it and I couldn't see it. Right. You know, she, she, God talks to you the way God truly talks to you is through all the people that love you the most. But if we choose not to listen to them, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're damaging ourselves. 
Yeah, for sure. And Eric, I think it's brought you to a cool place and I think it's awesome what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about your coaching and tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing today. Yeah. So right now uh, I've transitioned over to a, a pretty large infrastructure company. I'm helping them relaunch, rebrand and take all the successes and failures that I learned in all my other businesses and apply them to what they're doing now. And a lot of stuff that me and you talk about with 365 and Tony and all that, uh, I'm trying to implement those things. Now they're kind of going kicking and dragging and screaming a little bit, but um, you know, that's corporate America for you. So um, once I show them results and proof, then guess what? They're going to say, Hey, tell me some more, <laughs> you know? So I'm being patient. I'm, 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 I'm taking all my faith skills and I'm now honing them and bringing it to another level. And so with the life coaching, uh, I wanted to figure out a way with the life coaching, which is a, a, it's a side hustle, you know, Tony, Tony's books up there, uh, side hustle millionaire. So, you know, I have my current job, which is, you know, taking care of business and all that other stuff. So on the side, I'm doing, you know, Dupre life coaching. And so, uh, with that, it's faith-based life coaching. Now, it's not Christian. I don't label it as Christian because I have to meet the client where they're at. And so I, I have my Christian values and what work for me, but I can take some of those strengths and those, those core principles and values myself and help them reevaluate, analyze. Because the reason they're coming to me for coaching, for life coaching, is not because their life's perfect. Uh, something in it's messed up and it's wrecked. So, you know, I go through a three process deal that I, I write up there on my, on my board and it's, uh, reveal, heal and rebuild. And those three things help somebody identify, um, see to reveal what's going on. We break it down say like, what's the obstacle? What's the problem? And I let them think about it. And then I had my perspective and view about it too, because I'm on the outside looking in. So I can kind of, mm -hmm. and most of these people, I've already walked down all the roads, the dead end roads that they're already walking down. And I already know they're dead end roads <laughs> and they don't yet because they haven't reached the end of that dead end road yet. So, um, so what's nice is I can foresee what they're doing, what they're, where they're going. Cause I, it, you know, if you were to go to a life coach and they said, Hey, what kind of experience do you have? And they're like, well, I took this course and I read this book and all this other stuff, but they had never walked these roads and experiences themselves. Mm -hmm. How in the world could they really look you in the eye and say, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help walk you through this from right. point A to point A to point B. So I came up with a very good systematic approach and it's, it's a business plan and business model on a spreadsheet. And then I make them fill it out. So it starts planting all their seeds in their mind. And so uh, once, they, once they start seeing, because the funny thing is, they've never put this on paper before ever. Right. So the moment they start actually having to put it on paper, contemplate it, think about it, mm -hmm. man, it's already making their wheels start, the gears in their heads start spinning about it. And so my whole goal is to empower them to give them the tools to empower themselves to fix their own problems and mm -hmm. not need uh, a lot of 
external support. They, they, once they get up and running and fix these things, um, and I show them a way and a path and I meet with the clients once or twice to make sure it's a good fit. And if they like it, we continue the path. You know, if they don't, we're both not a good fit for each other. You know, I, if they're not a good fit, I also have a network of other people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if I feel like that would be more beneficial than me in specific areas, then I kind of punt them over to, uh, to them because, you know, I have a male perspective on things. I don't have a female perspective. And so I work, but some females that I've worked with, it, it worked out beautifully. Like it, it was amazing. And then some, some that I work with, they're like, you know, I, I need more of a, you know, female perspective. I was like, Hey, mm-hmm. no problem. I, I know, I know a woman that does almost the identical thing, but she comes from that point of view. So sure. I think she would better serve you. So, so that I, I'm doing a little bit of the life coaching because right now what I'm focused on right now is actually consuming me a lot. Mm-hmm. And so the, the beauty of it is uh, I set this up so that I could establish it now and that I take on as many or as little clients as I, as I can. So I wanted to, so basically when they sign up with me, they get this book right off the, the get go. Mm-hmm. I said, most of the stuff you're going to deal with, there's 22 short chapters in here. They're like five to eight page chapters. I go, index the chapter to find out the one that jumps out on the page. Like, you know, there's a chapter about needs and wants, like truly defining what your needs and wants are. There's, there's one chapter that says, uh, know thyself, but then it also says control thyself, <laughs> oh, Okay. you know, cause right. you, you can know yourself sure. to, to kingdom come, but if you can't control yourself in this world, you know, forget oh, yeah. it. And if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. So absolutely, you got to be careful with that too. So yep. Eric, been great having you on the show, man. A pleasure chatting with you, fellow brother. And yeah. let people know where they can find you and um, how to get in touch with you if they're looking for coaching. Yeah. So um, The Lost Art of Faith, it's a, an Amazon bestseller. You can find the book on Amazon. Uh, just Google Lost Art of Faith, it'll pop up. Uh, Dupre Life Coaching dot com you can go there um and then i have a a facebook uh web page that's that's also dupre life coaching and then i also have my own personal um i'm so transparent that everything i do if if they want to look me up personally they can look me up personally on facebook too so uh if if your intent is to get more information about life coaching i'd go to the facebook Facebook uh, group page for uh, Dupre Life Coaching, and that's a place where we can more articulate, ask, and answer questions. So, like you said, that that network of other people of believers like that, um, they can read the content and participate in in, in Q and A and answers of how they, uh, you know, how they want to, you know, participate in that. So, a lot of people, it's it's more secure in that page, so it's not just it's it's a private page that that information's only in that group page. It doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere else. So it lets them feel a little bit more comfortable, but sure. I'll say, I wanted to say one last thing about something that you brought up earlier. And a lot of people struggle with what you're saying about works. Mm. Um, so I'm a father of two daughters 
and there's a story of the prodigal son and the prodigal son goes off and he acts like a fool and he does all this crazy stuff and he is shameful guilt all that stuff and he doesn't think he deserves on himself he's putting this on himself mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't feel he's worthy himself to go back to his own family and his father but he does cuz he he hits rock bottom yeah and this is kind of what i did with god you know i hit rock bottom the same thing but then i came back to him and he came he he came with me with open arms mm-hmm. and I have two daughters. So the bottom line is no, they don't, I don't know if they'll ever watch this video or not, but uh, the bottom line is if no matter how bad they screw up in life, no matter how bad, if they come back to me and they say they're sorry and they want to change and they want my help, they'll always, no matter what they did or didn't do, they always can come back to me as a father. And that grace and mercy if we don't show that same grace and mercy here on earth, especially to the people that do not deserve it, not the people that deserve it, oh, yeah. it's, harder, it's harder to give it to the people that don't deserve it. Well, guess what? When we face God at the gates of, you know, at the, at the gates of heaven, if you have to ask him with a straight face and he asks you, do you think you deserve to be here? <laughs> Only by the blood of Jesus. Yeah, so that, that grace and mercy... As a father, as Abba Father, you know, he, we try to distance God so much as mm-hmm. something different than a father, but guess what? He has the attributes just like a father, right. and he has a place in his house for you. Now, your, your heart, your heart, soul, and mind, and all that has to be of an understanding of who he is and how holy that place is, and you he can only see into your heart. That's, that's the trick that he has against the devil is that the devil can only see the exterior. You can't actually see into your heart. That's why when he, he presented the, uh, the bribe to, to the devil, when God bribed the devil with Job, God already knew the results. Right. He knew he wouldn't fall away. <laughs> right. So it's nice. It's nice when you have the kind of faith that in the end, yeah. You're going to win no matter what. Sure. And when you have that kind of energy and that kind of confidence, um, you've transitioned into a different lifestyle as a Christian. So like you're saying, your works are automatically going to start changing because your habits as a Christian. So those Christian habits sure. as, as a lifestyle, because they tell you, you can't just stop. If you want to go on a diet, you want to change eating, mm-hmm. you know, it actually needs to be, if you, really need to cut stuff. It needs to become a habit. Well, that Christian lifestyle becomes a programmed habit mm-hmm. that that's just how you live. You, you couldn't turn it off if you tried. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's great, brother. And that's that story, the prodigal son, man, <laughs> coming back to daddy covered in pig poop and whatever. <laughs> And he threw a robe around him and killed the fattened calf and had a feast. And his other, a brother party. Got, his other brother got pissed, right? He's like, hey, I've been here this whole time. You don't do that for me. He's like, he's like your brother was lost and now he's found, right? Like, You're like, let's, look, let's celebrate. It, you know, You've been with me the whole time. Treat your, up. treat your brother as yourself or how you wish to be treated. You know, and, and if that brother would have realized even that story and that lesson when he saw his brother coming back, he'd be like, hey, bro, like, Let's go party. Right. Let's, let's have a good time and just 
be happy to be back with friends and family and uh, just start living the good life together. You got it, Eric. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Go check out DupreeLifeCoaching.com. You can find Eric on Facebook. Make sure you check him out and go get a copy of his book, The Lost Art of Faith. Absolutely. Appreciate you, brother. Pleasure. All right, man. Thank you. you take care. All right, Philip. If you enjoyed today's show, give it a five-star rating. Follow, subscribe, and head on over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more about the Go Lead Everything movement. For more great content daily, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at RealPhilSwanson, Facebook and LinkedIn at Philip Swanson. And for videos of these episodes and other great video content daily, subscribe to the Phil Swanson channel on YouTube. Now go lead everything.